everyone, and welcome to Genderator. I'm Jennifer Sanfilippo, and this is episode three. I'm calling it Interlude because it is just me speaking on a specific topic rather than an actual interview with a guest. I decided to do this because I've come to find that creating a podcast is very difficult. You have to organize your topics, you have to research your topics, you have to find your guests, schedule them, interview them, and then the most difficult part is actually editing the podcast so that you can post it. Honestly, in the beginning, it took me two weeks just to get my platform to talk with iTunes. Rather than wait until I finish producing the next episode, I thought I'd pop in the queue with my own thoughts on a topic so that you don't have to wait so long for the next episodes. The topic I'd like to talk about today is the word mansplain. What does it mean? Why I don't like the word? And alternative communication ideas or strategies to claim your voice and offer an opportunity to the socially unaware offender for introspection and possible self-awareness. So first, the definition. What does mansplain mean? According to dictionary.com on the internet, mansplain is when a man comments on or explains something to a woman in a condescending, overconfident, and often inaccurate or oversimplified manner. For example, Bob decides to explain how the photocopier works to Margaret, the woman who ordered the photocopier, assembled the photocopier, and is responsible for fixing the photocopier every time someone has a paper jam or other issue. Another example is uh, a man who is not a scientist explaining galaxy formation to a female astrophysicist at a cocktail party. And I can offer a personal example that happened to me just a few weeks ago. I was on an elevator and I heard someone coming, so I pressed the button that holds the doors open. The gentleman got on the elevator, and as I stepped away from the buttons so he could press his floor, he started to explain to me the difference between the hold the door open button and close the door button. The reason I don't like the word mansplain, in fact, the reason I wince every time I hear the word, is that the term is as condescending and insulting as the perceived act it seeks to define. It feeds a gender stereotype that dehumanizes an individual, and it further drives a wedge between people. If a person is communicating in a condescending way and the receiver of the demeaning behavior responds using a derogatory term, you know, whether forthright or or inside their head, the opportunity for productive communication has been severely limited. So what does that look like at work? I never have to see the elevator guy again, but Bob and Margaret have to work together. So how do we get past this? If we feel like we're being patronized, how do we even the playing field? so that we're empowered in these communications. Well, let's first take an inventory of how we're feeling when we're receiving um, what we perceive to be a a demeaning um, communication from a coworker. Often we lead with anger. I can't believe Bob is trying to explain the photocopier to me. What's the matter with him? Who does he think he is? For me, I often go to embarrassment. What is it about me that this person on the elevator thinks I need a, a description of the of how the elevator works. If you struggle with imposter syndrome, there can be some shame and some fear mixed in there. All of these different emotions can be destabilizing. As a result, you may want to withdraw either inside of yourself or to the break room to complain about what just happened. But that doesn't move us forward. That doesn't even the playing field, does it? So what do we do? How do we regain our footing? Well, now that you've named what's going on for you, you're in a better position to claim your space and let the other person know what impact they're having on you. Bob, I'm curious as to why you think I need the photocopier explained to me. 
or what you're saying is making me uncomfortable because I feel like I'm being patronized. Is that what you meant? Or Kate, I'm hearing your description as to how I should arrange my desk is condescending. By claiming your voice, you've empowered yourself and opened up the door for conversation. And you've succeeded in letting the other person know that whatever their intent was, this is the resulting impact. Chances are they will engage in some self-reflection. I want to take a moment now to relate this to the broader work environment. In their new book, Safe Enough to Soar, Frederick Miller and Judith Katz of the Khalil Jameson Consulting Group talk about interaction safety. Here's an excerpt from the book that describes the concept. Interaction safety encourages reasonable risk-taking and inspires every individual to be brave enough to reach for higher goals and more ambitious possibilities. It's an environment that makes people feel safe enough to share not just their best ideas, but also their still-information ideas. It's a safety that accelerates building the trust so vital for inclusion and collaboration in one-on-one interactions among teams, across departments, and throughout an organization. Why do I bring this up? Condescending, patronizing behavior and name-calling stifles the free-flow exchange of information, ideas, and the development of creative problem-solving. As a leader, if your organizational culture struggles with this issue, you need to understand that your team members are discouraged from bringing all of their capabilities to work. In other words, you're paying people full-time for part-time work. Lastly, why did I call this episode The Importance of Mansplain? My intent isn't to minimize the relational damage that certain behaviors cause. Rather, I wanted to draw attention to the fact that normalizing pejoratives like mansplain, womansplain, snowflake, etc. feeds the stereotyping monster whose mission is to prevent productive dialogue by driving us further apart. Thank you for listening. Please feel free to leave comments on my website at genderator.com. That's genderator with a J. A special thank you and a shout out to Andy Hassenflug, who wrote the music for my podcasts. And you can find copies of Safe Enough to Soar on Amazon. Until I get that next episode produced, be well and take good care.